welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. Welcome to message number three of the Yes series. And this morning, my title, if you're taking notes, is this. Priceless Yeses and Costly Noes. Priceless Yeses and costly no's. Extraordinary acts of obedience start with an ordinary, sorry, I'm gonna say that again. Extraordinary acts of God start with an ordinary act of obedience. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for our short time we have left with each other this morning. And God, I pray right now that You'd speak to every person here. Holy Spirit, we invite You into this place. Have Your way. I thank You that that as we speak and as we read, it's amazing how You're able to speak to the heart of every person and speak what they need. And so God, I pray right now that You would do that as only You can do. I pray that You would encourage us, equip us, challenge us, and that we would walk into the purpose of God on our lives. In Jesus' Name, and everybody said... Amen. Right, so we're going to be studying Jonah. Jonah and, I was going to say, and the whale. Who, who, honestly, show of hands, who knows the story of Jonah and the whale? Who, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but who doesn't know the story of Jonah and the big fish? Anyone? This is a classic, um, it's a classic Bible story that you'll find in, in Sunday school or kids' church. It's one of those great ones that goes on the flannel graph. Who remembers the flannel graph? Come on. <laughs> So the flannel graph is where you'll find Jonah. But I believe that this morning, we're going to be able to learn some things from this man named Jonah. You see, Jonah was in the Old Testament of the Bible. The Old Testament happens before Jesus. So think of the history of the Israelite people with God before Jesus. And Jonah was in that uh, day and age and he was a prophet. Jonah was a prophet of God, which a prophet is someone that speaks on behalf of God to the people. This was Jonah. And you'll find Jonah amongst a whole lot of prophets in your, in your Bible. And you'll find it, you might find it hard to find it. Because I found it hard this morning because it's only one page. And I'm skipping backwards and forwards, struggling to find this little, this little, this little book, book that he wrote. And uh, I finally found it. Actually, I had to go to my... I had to go to my index to find it, let's be honest. Uh, I'm like, I'm sure it's after Hosea. And then you know, Obadiah, dang it. Anyway, but I found it. And so Jonah was a prophet sent by God to speak to the people. But this is the cool thing about this, this particular book, because when you read the prophets, normally what you're reading is what the prophets said to the people. You're reading the prophecy or the prophecies. And, uh, and, and it's normally, thus saith the Lord, and lots and lots of dialogue of what God's saying to the people. But that's not what we find in the book of Jonah. What we find is a story about the prophet. And he, I think in Hebrew, he only says five words to the people. He has a lot of dialogue with God and others, but he says five words to the people in this book. The rest, this book is all about Jonah and the and and we can look at this book and we can actually start to see maybe a little bit of ourselves in the story of Jonah and hopefully God will do that work for us today and uh, and we will gain some some benefit from it. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm going to read you three chapters and you're going to hang in there. <laughs> Listen to this. This is chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying. Arise, go to Nineveh, 
that great city and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Interesting. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Say Tarshish. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, but instead he rose to flee to Tarshish. He fled from the presence of the Lord. Nineveh was east. Tarshish was west. He went west. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on, on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, little g. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, had laid down, was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> you ain't running from nothing, buddy. Then they said to him, Tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? <laughs> and where did you come from? And what is this country? And, what, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This cat is trying to run from God, yet he's telling them this is the God that makes the sea and the dry land. Where are you running, bro? Where are you going? Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. The men knew, the pagan sailors knew that this Hebrew was running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Interesting. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that they, the sea might quite be quiet, excuse me, may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quieten down for you, for I know it has become. I know that it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, "O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you." So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I just want to remind you that Jonah's writing this about himself. Isn't it cool that people are just honest about their journey? <laughs> They're not always just trying to put their best foot forward. I want to keep reminding us about that as we journey in life. And, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I've heard that somewhere before, three days and three, days and three nights, something... Someone else was in the belly of something for three days and three. Anyway, we'll carry on. <laughs> then Jonah prayed to the Lord, chapter two, his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I call out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me. And of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. You 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. Amen. <laughs> o Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you in the holy temple. Those who paid regard to vain idols forsook their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. It's nuts, isn't it? And there's nuts. God appointed a fish. All right, chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Say second time. You can all say that second time. Second time. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, this is this five words in Hebrew. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he said. That's all he, that's, that's all he gave them. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, as was the tradition. From the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. This is a sign of repentance, as was their custom. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and let them call out to the mighty, to the, excuse me, let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, and how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster that He had said that He would do to them. And He did not do it. Can we say Amen to that? Amen. Priceless yeses and costly noes. Can we start with the cost of the no? This, this story starts with the no, doesn't it? The word of the Lord came to Nineveh, to Jonah. The word of the Lord, the Lord came to him. He heard it clearly. I want you to go to this great city, the centre of the Assyrian Empire, this city that was 120,000 people strong. This is a big city in this day and age. I'd love to figure out what that would look like in modern times, but think of the centre of the centre of the empire. This is this great city, Nineveh, and Jonah was called to it. Jonah was called to it. God looked across the corridor of time, looked at him and said, I want you, you, my son, I want you to be the one that goes to Nineveh. Hmm. He hears God's voice and he disobeys. He says no to God and he runs. He says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Instead of going east to Nineveh, he decided to go west as far as possible. 
Tarshish. Hmm. Jonah not only fled his call to a great city, he fled the presence of God. He was not only running from his purpose, he was running from God's presence. I'm here to tell you that your purpose and God's presence are a package deal. Running from the purpose of God is running from God. Disobedience is costly. It costs you intimate connection. It costs you the very thing that you were designed for, relationship with God. And it's not because God removes His presence, it's because we run from it. And we know that God's Word never changes. And so the moment that we want to come into the presence of God, we know that God's going to say, hey, remember what I said about Nineveh? (laughs) And if you don't want to go to Nineveh, you ain't going to go to the person that's going to want to talk to you about Nineveh. And so the very... The very, the very idea of not wanting to step into the purpose of God in your life is the very idea of shutting down the presence of God in your life. Hmm. We know what He's going to say. What's your Tarshish? Is there relationships that you're in that you know that God's not happy with? Is there behaviours in your life that you know that God it's not happy with. If there are things going on in your world that you know that if you come into the presence of God, He's going to want to talk to you about it. So we know the moment we return to Him, that's the point. Don't you love the response of the Ninevites? Repentance. The response first of Jonah was repentance and that got him going. He had to repent. He had to go back to the place of his salvation, back to the fact that, God, you took me out of the pit. And that repentance got him on course. And the same thing, the same same power that saved the Ninevites was their repentance. Their ability to say, I was wrong. What is it in your life that God is saying, come on, will you bring that to me? Will you bring that before me? And will you repent of it? What is the thing that might be causing you from blocking you from your purpose? Because here's what happens. We stop trusting God. We take matters into our own hands. And like Jonah, we take back the driver's seat of our lives and we board the boat to Tarshish and we run. What a costly no. The greatest cost of your no is the presence of God. But there's another cost. It's not just the presence of God on your life. It's the cost to others. First one I want to talk about is these sailors. It says in Jonah 1, 4-5, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid. These are salty sea dogs. These are sailors. If the sailors are afraid, you know things are getting pretty crazy. You know, these guys, are, they, they've got sea salt in the blood, and yet they're freaking out. It's a pretty decent storm, hey? And each cried out to his God. So not only are they salty sailors that are in a really bad pickle, but they don't know the God. They don't know God. They're crying out to pagan gods. They're not in relationship with God. And here's an Israelite. Here's a follower of God. Here's a a child of God in this situation and could do something about it. But where do we find him? 
in the belly of the boat, asleep. There's a situation going on in Jonah's life. People are crying out for salvation. People are crying out to be rescued. And Jonah knows the answer, yet he's asleep in the belly of the boat. Come on, who's in your life crying out right now? Who's in mine? Jonah's disobedience affected others. (laughs) These guys were crying out for rescuing. Jonah was called by God to be a great prophet, a great evangelist. He's asleep. He's completely oblivious to the opportunity to reach these sailors with the love of God. Our no blinds us. It hardens us. It breeds apathy. We fall asleep spiritually. We become fixated on ourselves. We miss the opportunities around us to make a spiritual difference in the lives of others. Your yes is more important than you realise. Come on, what has God called you to do that you're running from or have run from? What are you saying no to? I remember this moment in my life and uh, I knew that, I knew deep down, man, this passion to plant and pastor a church. I, about 17 years ago, I wrote in a journal, the church that I saw that God had given me a vision. I saw this church and I wrote it down as a, as a young adult. I saw this, this, this church and so passionately just excited me. And every time this thing cropped up in my life, there'd be something they want to push it back down. And through different circumstances, when I found myself adrift through life, Part of a church, good job, kids, family, things are going well. But I knew that there was a purpose that I wasn't pursuing. And I was listening to this podcast and I was, my, ex, my passion became long distance running. And so I, I would find a sense of satisfaction and a sense of accomplishment in that. And so I'm listening to a podcast about a guy who's a runner Pretty boring, right? Listening to podcasts about running, you know things are getting a bit, but but I'm listening to this podcast, and this this young guy is just this up and coming runner, and he's um, doing ultra distance, so anything that's further than a marathon. And the interviewee was like, "So, what's your schedule looking like for the running calendar coming up?" And he says, "Oh, I'm going to this country, doing this thing, event, going to this country, doing that event, going over here to this country, doing that event." And he was like, just like listing all these different places that this passion was taking him. And the uh, interviewer says, wow, you're not mucking around. You're, you're giving it, you know, you're giving it your best shot. You're like taking life by. And this, this guy just says these words, yeah, I don't want to waste my life. So I'm going to take every opportunity that comes to me. I don't know how long I'm going to be physically fit and able to do this. Right now I can, and I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to waste the opportunity. And the words just smack me upside the back of the head. Don't waste your life. And I'm just driving along. Now, not listening to anything else, just thinking, shoot, man, I feel like I'm wasting my life. Like, and so I pulled into this car park overlooking the ocean and I just start pondering this question, don't waste your life, don't waste your life. And I grabbed my laptop out and I just started, wrote, I wrote up the top, don't waste your life. And I wrote, what are the things you're passionate about? What, what, kind, of, what, what, do you want to, what kind of father do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? 
What's God called to you to that, you've, that you're running from? What's God called you to that you've dropped? What's the passion and the purpose on your life that you're no longer walking in or picking up that you feel like it's just gone? And can I just say to you that it doesn't, you don't just go from that moment, ping. Next thing, here's a microphone, here's a, your pastor, do your thing. There was a journey of about three years from that moment. But God accelerated things in a heartbeat because I, in that moment, repented. And in that moment, I said, God, what would you like me to do? And God just simply said this, I want you to go to a conference. I just told our pastors, we're not going to the conference. We had a great excuse. It's our wedding anniversary. And we have kids and it's hard to do conference with kids. It's tiring. One of us is going to miss out on stuff. But God said, go to that conference. So I rung up our pastor, said, if there's any tickets, we'll come in. Step of obedience. And that that conference, God spoke and then another, and then just the snowball started to roll because I positioned my heart to hear from God because I don't want to waste my life and I don't want you to waste yours either. And I'm here to tell you I've got good news for you because God is the God of the second chance. He's a turnaround God. Jonah 1, 17 to 2. 1 verse 17 to 2 verse 2. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord, and out of my distress he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he heard my voice. God, can you hear this language? God appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. What seemed to be a life-ending moment became a lifeboat. I mean, if you're getting thrown into a storm that these salty sailors are afraid of, what's the chances? Anyone watch The Deadliest Catch? Yeah. I do. Come on. Love it. I like you, Mina. I like you too. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a reality TV show about crab fishermen in Alaska. But they fished during the most, on the Bering Sea during the most craziest of, of weather patterns and seasons. Every season, someone gets really injured or in most seasons, someone dies. Like someone dies. Someone goes overboard and they lose them. What a job. Jonah's saying, throw me into that mess. But yet God appointed a great fish. Thank you, Jesus. I don't care where you find yourself in life. God has got the big fish. God has got the, honestly, it doesn't matter. He just wants you to position your heart as, as, as Jonah did when he was in the belly of the fish and, and, and position your heart to believe that God is gonna bring you through this. And I wanna say this, that God does His best work in the storms. God does His best work in the wildernesses. I'm just telling you that even Jesus was set up to win in a wilderness experience. It says in 40 days and 40 nights, he was there and he's tempted by the devil. You know, the devil's temptation was this, to sabotage the purpose of God on Jesus' life. Do you know the purpose of the devil is to sabotage the purpose of God and the presence of God in your life. And it says that after 40 days of eating nothing and drinking nothing and being in a really hard and dry and barren place, it says this in Luke 4, 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. God does His best work in the wilderness as John the Baptizer, Jesus' cousin. Same thing, Luke 3, verse 2. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the Word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah. Where? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. 
in the wilderness, in that dry place, in that barren place, in that place where you take stock of your life and you go, my gosh, there's got to be more here. And everything starts to quiet down and God's voice starts to rise up and He can speak. And I love this in the book of Hosea, another minor prophet, another prophet like our brother Jonah. Hosea says this into his book, chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. And he's talking about Israel, but I think it's pertinent to us. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Accor a doorway of hope. Can I read it to you in the message? And now here's what I'm going to do, says the Lord. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking, back, I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. And I'll court her. I'll give her a bouquet of roses and I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into acres of hope. God does incredible work in the wilderness, in the storms. It's God's great love for Jonah that had him in the belly of a whale. What are you doing, bro? You're running from the very purpose of, of God on your life. You're running from my presence, which matters more than anything. You're, you're running from me. And there's 120,000 Ninevites that I'm calling you to. I've got big plans for you. It's the love of God. He appoints a fish. He appoints a storm. He appoints a wilderness experience to turn Jonah's life around. And then we hear Jonah's repentance. I'm going to read it, verses 5 to 10. The water, this is Jonah's repentance. The water, the water's closed in over me and take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in the holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope of steadfast love. You have a choice. The idol you close your hand on or open hand in this love and affection with God. But you know that if He's going to come after you, He's going to talk about that thing in the hand. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. And let's go. He gave him a second chance. He'll give you a third chance, a fourth chance. I love the fact that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans, plural plans. Plural plans. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You've got one calling, one purpose, but I know the plans I have for you to get you there. Now, I've got, I come and spoke to you and you could go, the plan could be, let's just go straight to Nineveh or you could decide to run because you've got free will and you could run. But guess what? I've got the next plan. Let's send a storm. Let's get the fish involved. I've got plans, baby. I've got plans, but I will reroute. I will reroute. I will reroute to get you to your purpose. Rerouting. <laughs> Who loves GPS? <laughs> uh, God turns the valley of Accor, which is the valley of trouble, the valley of trouble, He turns that into a doorway of hope. Troy, you can come and join me.
All right. A few more minutes, team, and we're there. Can we talk about the priceless yes? Let's talk about the priceless yes. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that exceedingly great city. That city that takes three days to walk across. How far can we walk? Three days. That's a big city, eh? Ain't no high rises maybe back then, so it's just spread out, man, like just a big city. This cat had to walk a whole day to, to get somewhere near the middle to start proclaiming. I love the fact he didn't stay on the outside, but he walked into the heart of that city. He rose and went. He trusted God, and this is what happened. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They repented. The word came to the king, the prime minister, the, the mayor, the, those that run that town. <laughs> the influences of the city. The word got to them about this God. But the redemption that can be found in this God. And they repented. Through the voice of one man, five Hebrew words, 120,000 people repented and turned to God. A whole city, a whole city was turned to God. Come on, who believes that God can reach this city? I said, who believes that God can reach this city? Who believes that God can use us to reach this city? Come on, there is a cost to saying yes to Jesus, but the, the reward is priceless. The city and its inhabitants, their lives forever changed because Jonah said yes. truth is, if we look on Jonah's life, you cannot outrun God. He is a relentless pursuer of your heart. So I want to say to you, my friend, it's time to quit running and say yes. You know, the definition of priceless is this so precious that its value cannot be determined. It's so precious that its value cannot be determined. You are priceless to God. And your yes is priceless to others. Can we stand church? Just take a moment now. Let's allow God to speak to us this morning. He still speaks. What's the passion and the purpose? What thought brings you the greatest joy? What in you stirs a righteous anger that you have to do something about it?
pull on that, you'll find it'll lead to purpose. And I know that my God wants to equip you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to join with you on a rescue mission of His kids, His family. He invites us in on the journey. So grateful. We talked about that last week. There's an adventure waiting for you. Come on, what's your Tarshish? What have you run to instead of running to God? Where are you finding satisfaction? Where are you finding that sense of accomplishment or that sense of belonging and God saying, no, come to me, come to me. What is it that we've wrapped our hands around? The idols in our lives, things that are non-negotiables before the Lord. Maybe this morning God's saying, come on, repent. It's time to turn around. It's time to set your face to Nineveh.